This conference tonight is on hell, judgment, hell, the eternity of hell, and the necessity of perseverance. The soul will be no sooner have departed from the body than it will appear before the tribunal of God to be judged. Where you die, that very place is where you will be judged. Heaven will assemble there. Hell will assemble there. What I mean by heaven is God, the Blessed Virgin, St. Michael, your guardian angel, will be assembled at that very spot. If you die here, this is where you're judged. Also hell, the devil, and all of your sins will be uh, gathered there as well. The judge is Almighty God, who is provoked by our sins. Our accuser will be what St. Alphonsus refers to as our mortal enemy, the devil. And the matter of our judgment will be our sins. Our sentence will be without appeal. If we are found guilty, uh, we shall be punished forever in hell. We will not have the power of calling our calling a friend. I don't remember there used to be a game show where you could call a friend for an answer. You can't call your parents. You can't call your friends. Your companions in life will not be there, at least not to aid you. All must be concluded between God and the soul. We will then see the deformity of our crimes and we will not be able, <clears throat> as at present, to excuse them. We will be examined upon the, all of our sins of thought, word, action, omission, and scandal. And we, we will be weighed in the terrible sc scales of divine justice and if found wanting on a single point in a serious way, we are lost. And so it makes sense. You are very reasonable men. It makes sense to ask God's pardon now before we go to judgment. At the end of the world, our bodies will rise again to participate in reward or punishment of our soul according to our works. All nations of the earth will be assembled at the end. This is called the general judgment. In what scripture refers to as the Valley of Josephat, to be judged. If we are condemned, we will resume our bodies as an eternal prison for our unfortunate soul. At this sorrowful reunion, our soul will curse the body and the body will play the blame game. Also, the body will curse the soul. At this sorrowful time, they will curse each other so that although at present they mutually consent to pursue unlawful pleasures, they use each other to gain joy and happiness here on earth. After death, they will become each other's tormentor. If we are saved, which I know you will be, our bodies will arise beautiful, impassable, and glorious. 
and thus both in body and in soul we will be judged worthy to enter into eternal happiness. Thus will close the scene of the world. Thus will terminate all greatness, earthly greatness, earthly pleasures, all the pomp that the world has to offer. All will be at an end except the two eternities, one of glory, the other of pain, one of joy, the other of torment. The just will dwell in heaven and the wicked in hell. Scripture says, Woe to him that hath loved the world. Woe to him that hath for the vain and fleeting pleasures of the earth lost his soul, lost his body, lost his heaven, and lost his God. Consider the eternal sentence which Jesus Christ will pass upon the reprobates and the sentence passed upon the elect. That's a good sentence. This sovereign judge turning towards the reprobate, he will say to them, Behold, ye ungrateful wretches, the events of your crimes. My hour is come, the judge will say, Get these pages apart. My hour is come, the hour of truth, of justice, of vengeance, of wrath. Criminal souls, you have chosen my curse. Let it fall upon you and be ye cursed for all eternity. And then the most frightful words ever spoken by God, ever heard by man, Depart from me, despoiled of every good and laden with all evil, into eternal fire. And then our Lord will turn to the elect, and he will address them, and he'll say the most beautiful words, captured by the ears of man. Come, ye blessed of my Father. Come and take possession of the kingdom of heaven, which is prepared for you. Come no longer to carry your cross after me, but to wear a crown. Come to inherit my riches and to be the companions of my glory. Come from the land of exile to your true country. Come from suffering to joy. Come from tears to glory. We must work to be one of these elect. Then we can have the hope of heaven. Let's consider hell, please. This is not a very positive talk. I understand that. Don't go committing suicide afterwards. Uh, it, gets, it gets better. That's, but we do have to consider hell. Hell is a dreadful prison and a prison of fire. In this fire, the reprobates are enveloped, having the abyss of fire above them, the abyss of fire below them, the abyss of fire around them, and the abyss of fire within them. The eyes will burn, the tongue will burn, every part of our bodies and our souls. Souls doesn't have parts. Every part of our body will burn. There each sense suffers a torment peculiar to itself, the eyes are tormented with darkness and with smoke. And at the same time, they see the sight 
of the devils and damned souls. The ears will hear nothing but continual howling, lamentation, blasphemies. It sounds somewhat like a rock concert. I can't help but put that dig in there. The smell will be tormented by the stench of half-putrefied bodies. It will swell, smell worse than my cooking. The taste of a burning, the taste by a burning thirst, by a cruel hunger, without the possibility of even ever being alleviated by a single drop of water, the hunger by a single morsel of bread. Tears, groans, and lamentations, howling in despair, proceed from the miserable captives. They will never obtain the slightest consolation. They will never obtain the slightest mitigation of their pains. Too many people wait until they are buried in the flames of hell before they believe and before they fear offending God. This is the conduct of the thoughtless and unrepentant sinners. You're here today to consider the health of your souls. What do you think is your lot? Most of us cannot endure a single flame for more than a second or a spark falling upon our head. And yet, we don't consider burning forever in the fire, a pool of fire, in desolation and despair for all eternity. These are the punishments inflicted upon the powers of the body. I want you to consider now the punishments inflicted upon the soul, the powers of the soul, intellect and will, memory, imagination, the memory will forever be tormented with the recollection of its sins and with remorse of conscience. That's still not repentance. This gnawing worm will continually remind you that you have damned yourself for some miserable pleasure or some worldly interest. What will the soul think of the past pleasures? After hundreds of years, thousands of years, millions of years spent in hell, this gnawing worm will call to its recollection the time which God had given us for repentance, the means of salvation which we had furnished to us, the good example which others set before us, and the resolutions which the soul formed, but never executed. The soul will moreover see in its present state that all is unrepairable, irremediable. How terrible is hell! The will also will be externally contradicted. It will never obtain what it wishes. It will always meet with what it would gladly avoid. The understanding will discover the greatness of the good which it had lost in losing heaven and God. 
sinners who at present make small account of losing God will then discover their misfortune. When we will see the elect triumph and exult with joy on their entrance into heaven and ourselves banished like unclean animals, like lepers from that blessed country, deprived forever of seeing the face of so amiable a God and separated from the company of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the angels and the saints. I don't remember which saint it was that it may have been St. Gertrude that saw a blessed soul. And she said, had her faith not taught her otherwise, she would think that soul to be God. It was so beautiful. That could be your soul. Could be mine. Then in fury and despair, we will exclaim, heaven is not and never will be ours. We cannot wait until the time of repentance is at an end. We must, as Catholic men for Christ, repent and give ourselves to God now. The torments of hell will never ter terminate. The souls there will suffer in every way and they will suffer eternally. A hundred years of suffering will pass away, a thousand will pass away, and hell will only be, be at its beginning. A hundred thousand and a thousand millions of years will pass away, and hell will be at its beginning. Were an angel to be sent down to one who is condemned, informing him that after a million years or as many million years as there are drops in the ocean, as there is sand on the beaches, as there are leaves on the trees, that that soul would be delivered from hell. The news would fill that damned soul with such inconceivable joy and relief. Just the fact that after you count up all the drops in the ocean, that's a year for every drop, and every grain of sand on the beaches, that's a year for every sand, and every leaf on the trees, that that soul will be able to go to heaven. That soul would, would experience inconceivable joy. For although he would be compelled to suffer for an innumerable multitude of ages, that soul would still be able to say, the time will come when my sufferings will end. But really, as many ages as there are, hell is only at its beginning. That was one of the big uh, heresies in Russell Crowe's, was it Noah? Is that where the angels came from hell and built the ark? And that's how they redeemed themselves? I think Russell Crowe got it a little bit wrong. Hell doesn't end. The number of years may be multiplied as many times as are the grains of sand, the drops of water, and the leaves. And hell will be born again. If, there, if, they, could, the, if they could, the reprobates in hell would ask God to increase their torments, prolong them to any length, 
provided there be a termination of them. This termination will never happen. There will be no alleviation of sufferings. The inmates of hell have called this judgment upon themselves. As repentance is impossible for the souls in hell, so the sentence is unalterable. How can we believe in hell and continue to sin? It's a good question. We must pay attention to these truths and remember that hell is for us if we continue to live in sin. The horrible furnace is enkindled by the anger of God. Many thousands of poor souls have become residents of this forsaken place since this retreat began 27 hours ago. If this fate befalls us, there will be no change. If ever you did commit a serious sin and deserve hell, thank God that he has preserved you from judgment thus far. Thank him. Weep for your sins. Employ every possible means of securing your salvation. This is one means, a great means, of securing your salvation. I believe it is St. Alphonsus himself who says that if you die within a year of attending a retreat, you will receive a plenary indulgence. To me, that's enough to get me to come to retreat every year. Read daily some pious book. Frequent the sacraments. Some of you travel 10, 15 miles every day to be in church. I didn't say go to Mass, because you don't necessarily have Mass where you are every day. Some of you, I know, visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and say your prayers there every day. Entertain a sincere devotion to the Sacred Heart and to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Love the Lady that Christ loved most in His life. I use every opportunity to... I can, that I have to tell the Protestants that. When they ask me what that little vein is on my side, that brooch or whatever, I said, it's the one that Christ loved most in the world. Well, how can they argue with that? Shouldn't we? He said, learn of me from meek and humble heart. I use every opportunity I can to say that. Be firm and be resolute in resisting the beginning of temptations. You have to flee. He who flees temptation is always the victor. Some courageous men and women have fled into the desert. Some courageous men and women have abandoned luxury, the luxury of their homes, for caves and caverns in order to secure salvation. What are you doing? Give yourself sincerely to God and say to him from your heart, Lord, I am thy servant, ready and willing to do your will, whatever you command of me. I want to speak to you about perseverance. Uh, I heard the term to reinvent the wagon wheel several years ago. Although I've never, I've given about 20 retreats in my life, maybe 30, maybe 30. And they've all been new conferences except for one or two that I can think of. I borrowed this conference and gave it to the young adults a couple of weeks ago. The necessity of perseverance. 
Saint Jerome says that many many begin well, but few persevere. He gave us examples of Saul, began well, heads and shoulders above all the other Israelites, loved God. He didn't end well, fell upon his own sword. He gave us the example of Judas, an apostle, one of the twelve chosen by our Lord of thousands. He began well, he had a certain devotion to him. He didn't end well, he hanged himself. Tertullian, not so common of a name to many people, was a great apologist for the church in the first centuries of the church. He ends up abandoning the faith, falls into heresy. They all began well, but they ended badly because they did not persevere in grace. The Lord said to St. Jerome, the Lord says St. Jerome, requires not only the beginning of a good life, but also its end. It is the end of our lives which shall be rewarded. St. Bonaventure says that the crown is given only to those who persevere. And St. Lawrence Justinian calls perseverance a gate of heaven. No one can enter paradise lest he finds the gate to paradise. At present, you men have renounced sin and justly hope in God's pardon for your past. I know 95% of you, there's about two here that I don't know yet. You are a friend of God. But remember, despite what our dear Protestant brethren says, you're not saved. When will you be saved? As soon as you join the Baptist Church or the Anglican Church. When you pass into eternity with grace on your souls, that's when you will be saved. We're reminded by St. Matthew that he who perseveres to the end shall be saved. Many times we have begun to live a good life and begun again to live a good life. But St. Bernard warns <clears throat> us that he who begins, a reward is only promised. It is given only to he who perseveres, only to him who perseveres. It is not enough to run for the prize. You must win it. You must run till you win. Many of you, some of you are even senior citizens. You have some gray around your ears. I'll never have gray around my ears. I won't have any hair around my ears. You have already put your hand to the plow and you have begun to live well. But now you must tremble and you must fear more than ever. For our Lord says, with fear and trembling, work out your salvation. If we look back and return to a life of sin, that's what is meant by he who looks back, puts his hand to the plow and looks back. He who returns to a life of sin, God will declare us unfit for paradise. And scripture says no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. At present, through the grace of God, you avoid sin. You avoid the evil occasions of sin.
You frequent the sacraments. You say your prayers. This should give you, this should give us great consolation. If our Lord visits death upon us and finds us employed in these holy exercises, he will say to us, Blessed is the servant whom, when the Lord shall come, he shall be welcome into his heavenly home. You men are engaged in warfare. A greater warfare is on the horizon. I've told our students at school that we adults are not leaving them a very pretty world. Do not imagine now that you have begun to serve our Lord. There is, as it were, an end to and a lack of temptation. Listen to the Holy Ghost, who says, Son, when you come to the service of God, prepare yourself for temptation. We must prepare ourselves for conflict because our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil will arm themselves now more than ever to fight against us in order to deprive us of all that we have acquired thus far. St. Dennis says that the more a soul is given itself to God, the more strenuously does hell labor to destroy that soul. This is, an expre- this is expressed in the Gospel of St. Luke, where our Lord says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through places without water, seeking rest, and finding it not, he says, I will return into my house, that is the soul of the sinner, once I came out. And when he has come, he finds the soul swept, he finds it garnished. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And entering in, they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. When banished from the soul, the devil finds no repose. He does everything in his power to return and he even invites and asks and calls his, his wicked companions to come and help him. And if he succeeds by temptation in re-entering, the second fall of that soul will be far more ruinous than the first. Consider what arms you must use to defend yourselves against these enemies and to preserve your soul in the grace of God. To escape defeat and to conquer the devil, prayer is is indispensable. Prayer is your greatest armament. St. Paul says that when we have to contend, that we have to contend not with the flesh and blood of men, like ourselves, but we have to contend against the powers, the princes of hell. Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. By these words, St. Paul wished to admonish us that we have not the strength to resist the enemy, that we stand in need of aid from Almighty God. With his aid, we are capable of doing all good things.
by this divine aid is given only to those who pray for it. By trusting in ourselves, we shall be vanquished. Whenever the devil tempts us, let us place our entire confidence in the divine assistance of Almighty God. And let us recommend ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his most holy mother, Mary. Temptations against chastity. We all suffer these. They are most terrible, the most terrible of all temptations, and is the one by which the devil gains most victories. We do not have the strength to preserve chastity. That's why the world's going crazy today, because it does not have the grace, because the sacraments were cut off from them by the Second Vatican Council, and the world is experiencing the fruit of the last 50 years. And boy, is it moving quickly today. This strength must come from God. Solomon, the wisest man, acknowledged that he could only preserve chastity with the help of God. Another smart man, at least in the eyes of the world, was a great enemy of the church. You know him. His name was Albert Einstein. He cursed the church until at the end of World War II, he said the church is the only one which stood up against Hitler and against Stalin, and he praised the church. It's quite encouraging to hear that, that Albert Einstein may have saved his soul, thus praising Holy Mother the church, having a change of heart is what I'm saying. In such temptations... We must instantly have recourse to our Lord Jesus Christ by frequently invoking his most holy name. And one who does it will be saved, will conquer. One who neglects it will be lost. The devil is a great enemy of our salvation, but the world is worse. If the devil did not make use of the world and of wicked men by who we mean the world, he would not obtain the victories that he gains. Christ warns us of men. He says, be aware of men. Men are often worse than the devils, for the devils can be put to flight by the use of the holy name, by the blessed sacrament, by other prayers. But when a person gives a becoming answer to a wicked companion, the wicked companion who tempts him to sin, the wicked companion redoubles his efforts. He doesn't go running away. He doesn't have the sense to. He comes back and tempts us with ridicule. Tempts us with the claim of hypocrisy or some other accusation. To escape such derision and reproach, weak individuals miserably associate with these wicked men, these ministers of Lucifer, as a dog returns to its vomit. If you wish to lead a holy life, you must expect ridicule. You must expect the contempt of the wicked. The wicked, such as Saturday, if you pass their cross, if you pass, cross their paths, 
they will loathe seeing you. He who lives in sin cannot bear the sight of those who live according to the Gospels. This is because those who live a good life are a constant reproach to those choosing a life of sin. St. Paul tells us that he who serves God must be persecuted by the world. And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All the saints have been there, done that, that, so to speak. The maxims of the world are diametrically opposed to the maxims of our Lord. The greater the opposition and difficulty we meet in doing good, the more we shall please God, and the greater the treasure we shall merit in heaven for ourselves. When the wicked treat us with derision, Recommend them to God. Thank him for his grace and continue on the road to salvation. Do not be ashamed to be Christian before men. This reminds me of one year when I was preparing a talk on either Christmas or St. Joseph. One of the authors that I was using, for I have no original thoughts of myself, one of the authors said that every time Joseph knocked on Christmas night and was rejected, he joyed because he loved to be treated with contempt. Saint Alphonsus, no, Saint Anselm says that the highest of the 12 degrees of humility is to love to be treated with contempt. We see how holy Joseph was. If we wish to save our souls, let us resolve to suffer and to do violence to ourselves. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent bear it away. He who does not violence to himself will not be saved. We have to deny ourselves, deny our senses. If we wish to do good, we must act in opposition to our fallen human nature. It was Anton LaVey who wrote the Satanic Bible. And in the Satanic Bible, it says, do whatever you are inclined to do. Okay, if you're inclined to commit some great sin, do it. Finally, when America rose up against Anton LaVey, he altered it a little bit. Do what thou wilt in love. When good habits are once acquired, the observance of the divine, the divine law becomes easy. And it becomes sweet, that's what you're here for, to try to strengthen yourself and to try to develop good habits. Our Lord told one of his favorite daughters, I give her that title, St. Bridget, that when in the practice of virtue, a person suffers the first punctures of the thorns with patience and courage, God bless you. These thorns afterwards become roses. Let us remember the words of our Lord to the paralytic. Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest something worse happen to thee. God love you and God bless you.